and welcome to the chat. That's right, the Chucklehead Chat, a podcast hosted by me, Chief of the Chuckleheads. New topic each week with a great new guest host. Sit back, enjoy the show, be entertained, be educated, laugh, cry, hate it, love it, or fall asleep to it. It's okay because it serves a purpose. Welcome to the show. All right, here we go, guys. Another episode of Chucklehead Chat. Today's an Today we're going to do, let's go to the movies, and today we're just going to do a general conversation. I got a great guest today, actually, our guest host. Uh, he's actually the pride of Princeton Heights, if you're located in, <laughs> in South City. My my new friend, Dan Buffa. So, Dan, well, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on here. How you doing, Glenn, man? This is good. Yeah, Princeton Heights. I've been called by somebody who lives in Princeton Heights as well, the Prince of Princeton Heights. Oh, there you and go. And that's just... A, that's just that puts a lot of like pressure on you. So when people come by, like try to do like prince-like things, I don't really know. Yeah, I'll get you a crown. So I <laughs> learned why I say that is because I actually, um, when my wife and I were first married almost 20 years ago, we lived right off. If you're in the St. Louis area, Princeton Heights is just a neighborhood area, um, but we lived right off Lisette and Macklin over in that area. Oh, so that's was, perfect. Yeah. So I I'm not part of Princeton Heights anymore, but I, that's why I was yeah. joking around. And so you, whenever I see you on Twitter and we talk about you talk about Princeton Heights yeah. and you are snapping all your pictures and yeah. stuff. I just, I reminisce, I'll drive my kids to the area and we'll just, we'll, I'll show them where my son was born and like where we lived for a few years before we, before we moved. And so, um, what, cool thing Check about out. this encounter, I'll just explain to the listeners, this, this actual is a uh, product of social media, of Twitter, man. We've been following each other for a couple years now. You're actually a great follow on Twitter. So oh, thanks. yeah, I mean like what, um, the funny thing was is that one thing I like about you is that I can say one thing. I'm all envious, man. You're verified. Yeah, How'd yeah. When did you get verified? Well, I mean, I think they used to. I think ever since the last couple year or two, they they kind of they haven't really allowed people to apply. But I, I found out about it. And I thought, wait a minute, people that aren't like you know the Rock can apply to be verified. So I applied a couple of times, and you know you, you don't really hear back unless you get verified. And I think it was somebody, one of my followers started tweeting at me on Twitter saying, oh, look who's verified. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a whole new level of, oh, look what happened to Buffa now. So, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. I'm a little I'm a little jealous, man. I, that used to be my bio for a long time. All I want is the blue check. Yeah. But I don't know if I'll ever get the blue check. I don't know. I, I think it was probably an accident. That's we'll okay. See. Twitter, don't take away his blue check. Let, <laughs> let him go. So one thing, one reason why I reached out to you for this topic, which I thought is cool, um, is you have tons of like great intakes and insights you do lots of different things you have a lot of hustles going on yeah. which i appreciate um you have the dose of buffa yep. you have yeah. you write for the um jewish light correct uh-huh. yeah so explain a couple of those things like what the dose of buffa is for people that are listening and uh, some of the stuff that you do you know well dose of buffa that's kind of like my i call it like my basement of my comment of my commentary and content that's how it all started i mean as far as getting on the internet it all started with when Colby Rasmus was traded to the to the Blue Jays. And I guess some part of my brain just said, we must start a blog now. I must have some place to complain about. They're not complaining. I was like, finally. Because he was just, it wasn't going to work out with him and Mr. LaRusa. But I, in July of 11, man, I, just, I started it. And so we're heading towards the 10-year mark. It's a WordPress website. I always encourage writers, if you want to start writing, just get on WordPress, get on Medium. And you essentially can create your own blog. You can buy your domain, and you can write, and nobody can stop you. Which is what they can do with Jewish Light. They can tell me I can't write this. So, 
dose of buffers where I get to do whatever I want. Nice. So, so it just gives you, a, you got one thing that has a little more yeah. structure. It's my bomb have, shelter of my right, commentary. Yeah. And, that's, and that's great to <laughs> yeah. have those opportunities. And and you also is your actual uh, legit film critic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been watching enough movies to where people kind of kind of start to pay attention a little bit. But that started really at KSTK, or, or actually. That started at filmatic.com. So back in 2012, I've been on the internet for a year, and my buddies, my two buddies, Eric and Chris, who are both movie theater, movie fanatic veterans, which means they probably worked at the theater like the same reason that I did, so you can get free movies. That's kind of what you did. We created a website called Filmatic, and we made that choice to put the hyphen in the middle of the film and the attic, and I think that semi-doomed our website. <laughs> so it was like, I keep typing in Filmatic, you gotta put the hyphen! But that's was the that was really the birth of the movie reviews. We started that. We got on the press list because we knew the guy. I mean, he threw us on the list, even though our website had like two hits, probably two hits from my mom. But <laughs> man, moms are good for that. Moms right. are good for just guaranteed to click on your article. But then KSDK came calling. I had a mutual friend who used to write for KSDK, and then I started writing movie reviews for them and Jewish Light as well. So yeah, I mean. You know, I think we're all film critics. I think some people won't do it so much to where they have to write about it. That's why I kind of refer to myself as like a film detective because I just watch these things over and over and over, man. My, my wife will never understand why I've watched Heat about 20 times. So. I mean, that's a stellar movie. It's I, a stellar I, movie. I can get why movies like that, I think it's you can watch them 20 times. And yeah, right? See so many different things and get so many different different scenarios out of you're like wait a minute i missed that the first two times all of a sudden here yeah here you, this you, is you pick up so much stuff when you watch a movie again because you got to think these these creators these directors they're they're not you know probably giving you everything that you can handle in one viewing you got to handle it over several and well and then i think about movies that are time-honored classics is movie like back to the future sure like i think i see all the I guess what they call Easter eggs in there. It'll, it'll never go away. And my man. son, who's 17, he, he loves Back to the Future. And we've probably watched it a hundred times. And in the very beginning of the scene, whenever Marty McFly is going into Doc Brown's yeah. home and office, and there's actually like when he's, they're showing all the clocks, there's actually like a drawing or maybe a picture of Doc Brown hanging off the light tower. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did, I told my son, I'm like, Caleb, how did we ever not notice this? And so I pause it. And one thing that irritates my wife and sometimes maybe my daughters when I'll pause something in the middle of her watching oh, it. Oh yeah. And I gotta rewind it because I gotta see it again. And I have to point it out. And it's, some people get a little irritated with it, but, th but that's okay. So, you said, what did you do at the movie? I didn't even know you worked at the movie theaters. Like, was that back a in kid? Yeah. 2003, uh, I, 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 I've been going to the gallery, and I think, I guess you just kind of thought it popped into your head, well, what if I get a job here and actually make some money and get paid to watch movies? Because if you work at a theater, you get, you get to watch the movies early, you get to watch them for free, you know, the managers will run the movie a couple of days before they come out after hours. And so I thought, man, that's just, that's the inside track. That was, to me, was the first like door opening to really getting into movies because you're going to watch them a lot. You're going to watch parts of movies over and over again because you're going to be cleaning them up. I can't tell you how many times I watched the end of Elf just because I was inside the theater waiting for it to break. <laughs> and, and so you, you just start to memorize and what, when you, when you have that close of a confrontation with movies, you just kind of get closer to them. And so doing that and then the websites, it just, it's a, 
Homework so, for life. So what's your, so I guess the best part of movie theater is seeing them before everyone else maybe, but what would be the worst part working at a movie theater? Oh man, the, the best part? What's the best part first? Oh man, it's just be, when you can, you know, you, you come into the, the, the show and well, let's just say you come into any job, there's not a guarantee of free food. But if you're, you know, you're popping up the corn for the day and maybe you're filling up the candies, you might, maybe you accidentally like, cut open a bag of candy and you just get to have the candy those, those Reese's pieces yeah, kind of just pieces. the corner popped off of it a little bit and then you get bit. bored one day and you put like popcorn kernels and nacho cheese into a small cup and smash it together so so what's the what would what was the worst part the worst part was probably just you know shutting down the concession stand is probably the worst part of working in a theater because you get to wipe everything down knowing that it's going to get just destroyed the next day cleaning that big kettle you know the thing that popped out like tons of popcorn you had to get the degreaser out so you gotta get the gloves on you're like this is not why i worked in a movie theater i want to go down there and you know we used to take out the leaf blower to blow it to clean a theater oh wow and we, we would just go you go up from the top step of the back row and you just make your way down that was more the funner parts but the concession stand cleaning was probably one of the worst memories of so that. so here's a pro tip when you go to a movie theater when you walk out, take your trash with you and throw it in the trash can that's exactly. right there. Do that for the people that are working in there. Don't just automatically think these guys get paid to do that. So help, help them out a little bit. I take can't tell you how many times that I, you'd, I, I, I just point the blower straight down and napkins would just fly out into the air of the theater and you'd be pushing Skittles down the steps. But yeah, it, 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 was a, it could be a dirty job. Yeah, so what um, you, stuff that you're doing with being a film film critic like you've you know I follow you on Twitter you have quite a few followers and you post a lot of great stuff and it's really even funny um like I always tell my wife about you know my podcast or whenever I record and she always yeah. asks like oh who you who you're who you gonna have on the show and I'm like I said oh I said probably this guy you don't know I said it's just some guy I follow or I said it's a guy I follow on Twitter I you know, hit him up on the DMs. Just figured I'd ask. Yeah, he's yeah, got some sure. good. He's sure. got some good takes on stuff. I'm like, his name's Dan Buffa. She goes, Oh, wait a minute, that's pretty cool. I follow him. So you got you got two fans <laughs> in, the, in go, my household. Man. I didn't even know. I'm I had. Like, a, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, and I said, he's. She goes, he's interacted a few times with me. I've, you know, tweet retweeted some of his stuff. Yeah. So I was I was surprised and shocked. Yeah, there, there was there, my wife and I were out. We went actually went out to a restaurant Friday. It was. Three day, three three Fridays in a row, we've gone to a restaurant. It's like crazy. A year after spending so many meals inside your house, not leaving, but we're walking down Macklin. Crazy enough, uh, down by kind of like the Macklin district by Stans, and we're passing Stans Bar, and we, and we had been following this group of guys as they're going to Stans Bar, and the guy keeps looking back at me, and my wife knows it by now. She goes. This guy had he, I got he knows you, and he goes, Dan Buffa, I follow you on Twitter. And the, the best part wasn't even that; it was the best part was as we're walking away, his friend goes, "Who?" <laughs> That's amazing. That was great. That was the it, best part. It just shows you stuff like that, just the power of social yeah. media. I mean, it sometimes it could be a pain in the. It's a game neck, changer, but it's also it's allowed. Yeah. Um, just I don't I don't know. Do I use the word like I'm gonna say just average or normal people that are able to do things they weren't able to do before. It's able to connect people like ourselves that probably would have never connected to be able exactly. to do something like this, just to have a good conversation about something as silly as going to the movies. But with you being a, the film critic you are and the stuff that you've done, what have been some of the like cool things? Like I actually, 
you've actually met like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, that's awesome. That was out of nowhere. So usually, so from getting on the the list for Filmatic and staying on there with KSTK, yeah, you get to see movies early. You might get to see a movie a week early, but. You know, when, when, when Joe, who's one of the workers at Allied, the marketing company that puts together all the screenings for St. Louis Film Critics, he's like, hey, um, and this is just the way Joe talks. He's like, hey, you want to go to New York City and interview Samuel L. Jackson? I'm like, I could have been like uh, the manager in Major League. He said, I don't know. I got a guy in the airline about some white walls. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to go. So, yeah, it was Shaft was doing, Warner Brothers was doing a lot of publicity for the Shaft sequel. And. I got to go out there, and the, th- the thing you realize is that you're not just going to go. They're, they're putting you up in a hotel, and they're saying they're giving you a, a per diem, and it's like you, you got. I was going, I had to spend all this money in a day. Oh, that'll be hard. So it was an out of world. Let's exp- just say a crazy experience because that was a first thing for me. I had been used to maybe doing a press junket in St. Louis where you meet him at like the Four Seasons Hotel and you interview him for like ten minutes, but this was. Going somewhere to interview that uh, a press junket was a whole different ball game. What like what was your experience like doing that? Was it positive or they? Oh yeah, it, it was pretty positive. The only thing it was, you could see, and you get this with every interview, is that they're in a rush. Yeah. And because they're you know they groups of critics are coming in and out, and you're trying to get your question ready, but it isn't like they're going to go to you in an ordered fashion. You just have to just you know speak out and get your question in Samuel Jackson was walks into the room and of course she's just like he is in the movies he's like man I want to get some Starbucks man so he's sitting in the chair and you already get the idea man we better have some good questions because if not he's the he's at a point in his career where, he, where he'll just say oh man you're gonna ask about that man and I just I didn't ask that question I, oh, I can't remember man. what it was asked it wasn't a bad question but you know these are the kind of actors they've had so many roles and so many questions where you have to just knock them out so other than that it was it was great i mean they put me in a hotel next to central park i had never been to new york before so this was my first time going to new york and you know you had about a day or two so you're trying to shove everything you can into a day but i got a chance to go to the freedom tower and see the t- the fountains but ground zero so it was a great experience all around, and I even enjoyed the movie. The critics hated that movie, but I got a kick out of it. So. Yeah, the sh- the sequel to Shaft. Yeah. So what? What is this like? What do you think? There's a romance with just going to a movie. Like, why do why do we as a society, human nature, what makes movie watching so exciting? I I, I think there's just the the idea of a disconnect. Like it's an escape. Like you know, like especially. If you follow the rules and you put the phone away or you put it on silent, you're going to get like sucked into that movie's world. And I think people, especially with the, how life has kind of pushed us around with COVID and the pandemic, and even before that, you know, everything that adulting entails, when you go into a movie theater, the, the idea is that all oh, that's going to get turned off. Yeah, and I think too with my, I guess my personal experiences with movies is that, you know, we, I didn't, I really don't want to say I grew up, poor because I don't know if that's an accurate statement but we didn't really have a lot of money we oh, extra money yeah we weren't at the movie you know my we're middle my parents were middle class workers sometimes my you know mom worked or she stayed home with us but when we went to the movies it was a treat yeah. and then some of my fondest memories of growing up was we would um I remember we would go every Friday night to 
an old movie video. Yeah, this thing called a video rental store where you went a somewhere. VHS. And we had a VHS, and you went there and you rented it. And um, I know if you're born after a certain age, you probably have no idea what we're talking about, but <laughs> Google it. But they had these storefronts, and um, there was a local just mom and pop place in St. Louis called Star Video. Yeah. And do you remember Star Video? I remember Star yeah, Video. Yeah, so we, we went there. Um, we would each be able to pick out a movie. Then we would go, there was an Aldi, a grocery store across the street. We'd each yeah. get to pick out our own snack and our own two liter. And that was our Friday nights for a long time that's where we would go do that. And those are some just great memories. And I think, great. I think that's a lot with just us in nature, just watching, watching movies and going to a movie theater and just the, the treat of it. But also, like you said, just disconnecting. Um, my wife and I will be married for almost 20 years. And when we started, we were dating in high school and, that was what we did every Friday night. We'd mm -hmm. go, we'd go That's eat dinner it. somewhere. We'd go to a movie. Yeah. We'd watch movies. There's just something about that. There's just something about it because it's all the things you do with the movie. It's like you get the refreshments. You're putting aside that time. It's like an event. And a lot of families, like like you said, that don't have the money, you can't go on vacations every summer. And 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 we didn't. My family didn't go on vacations a lot. My dad, we just go to the movies every night. Like when my dad would, when I got home from school, if I didn't have a lot of homework, we were gonna go to the Esquire or go to Kenrick or just go to somewhere. And it was just, it was to me that that's where my film school began, was going with my dad, pelting him with questions after the movie. But yeah, I mean, going to a theater, especially for a kid and a teenager, you know, this is not school. This is the fun school. You get to go in and sit down. There's no teacher, there's just a big screen. And that, so that, that was a nice little thing. What is um, it's like? What's one of your first like movie theater experiences? Can you remember? Man, I, I think it had to be Esquire's monstrous theater. I think the first time I walked in that thing, and now it, it's still there, but they have all those comfy seats. So yeah. they took out about forty percent of the seats. But back in the day, uh, it was just all those seats. It was the middle section, the left and right, the huge screen, and I think one of my first I can't I remember watching 12 monkeys and it was so packed because Bruce Willis was was white hot and Brad Pitt was white hot and and, and then they're both in that movie Madeline Stowe was like something and you know, the movie it, it was good but the movie theater was so packed I remember going do I go to the bathroom or do I just hold it for this next hour of this movie because it was so packed that theater was like you were at a concert but it was just a movie that's classic. I remember I have a, I have a few memories from my childhood. Um, I remember my, my mom and my grandma took me to go see Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. That was a, a classic to go watch at the movie yeah. theater. One of, oh, one of my disappointments was whenever Home Alone first came out, and my mm -hmm. parents were like, "We're gonna go see this movie." And it was a Saturday afternoon, and we get there to the, the old the Kenrick movie theater. Yeah, line wrapped around the building. We waited. Really? We waited and hour or so and we're moving through the line we get right up to there we all of a sudden you see the sold out flipped oh, over to home alone that's so terrible we were so bummed i had to go see i think it was the sequel to three i think it was two men and a little late or three men and a little lady to sequel to did three they, men did, and did they used baby. to hang that little sign yeah below. that was the worst the sold out like, and we, were, no. we were right there this is like you're at the finish line and you trip and so you better believe it whenever they re-released home alone a few years ago in the movie theaters i that took my was... kids to go see it man we went and watched it there <laughs> i relived the childhood Everything. memory so it was yeah. great i just sat there i'm like oh this is 20 years later but hey i'm here we're enjoying it and so another one was um when i was younger and we i didn't do much with because my siblings were 
like my brother was seven years older than myself. My sister's five years older. So they, we walked to a movie theater from our house, which was a, probably a decent little walk. It was, there's yeah. a movie theater on, on Lee May Ferry. And then, um, we walked to, uh, a Burger King that was across the street, ate there, <laughs> walked across there and watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. So there was some, so there's always, and I think that's the great thing about movies is that you can always like, there's just so many great memories behind them. It's usually just like you with your dad or your family going me and just, yeah, I feel just like people, recognizing it. I feel like people, and I feel like lucky that I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I think people that grew up in the 2000s, they, they don't know what that is. They to go don't. to a theater, to not have your phone, you know, I mean, how many times, even I am, before the movie starts, let me get this last tweet out. <laughs> and you're trying. But back in the day, you just went there, and you sat out, you and you're, went you're and opening you your it. Skittles up, you're getting ready, and that was an, ex it was yeah, an experience. It was. And you had, there was times, like, my brother actually, you know, we had to call the movie theater one time because my brother got hurt in our backyard swimming pool. <laughs> and my parents were, like, on a, they never got out by themselves. And no. we actually had to call them. And <laughs> we had to call the movie theater. And the usher had to go me. in and grab, you know, so it's pre-cell phone days or yeah. pre-pager or pre-anything. Visit Viviano's for all your favorite dishes from pasta, pizzas, sandwiches, and salads. Try the famous hot roast beef sandwich or shop the market for all the Italian cooking essentials. Don't forget the fresh bread brought in daily from the hill. Also, if you need Viviano's to cater, they can take care of all your catering needs. Visit vivianoscafe.com. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-O-S-C-A-F-E.com. like to thank Viviano's for being a friend of the show. So, like, we're talking about our, our the, one, the memories, but what about, like, the evolution of movie theaters? And we start from, you know, I was just kind of, I'm no movie expert or no genius here, but, you know, the... Google is a glorious thing. So I was just kind of Googling the timeline of movie theaters yeah. evolution. And like, really like one of the, I kind of, I wrote this down because one of the, the things like, I think 1824 is when, whenever some guy put some pictures on a string and started, I, f I forget what it was. Yeah. I had it written down, but I forget what the actual, oh, it was, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but the, the Thama loop. And it was yeah. basically pictures on a string and this guy's moving it around. It. And that started really like the movement, the, that, but, I mean, movie motion picture, the pictures in motion. Yeah. And so we, we escalate from that to silent movies. Yeah, silent so we think movies. Silent movies, man. Like, there's no, yeah, like what? I, mean, I get to have an imagination to watch that. I think I, I, one thing is I always do, I always thank the French because that's where really film kind of took off. It, it started out as a, I think um, John Favreau explained it. He said it started out as people just wanted to kind of show a product or something almost like a mini commercial that's how they started out and then people wanted to tell stories and the movies started to get longer and then they started to come over to america but man french the uh, in france that's where the movies really took off like wait a minute we, we can have like not just a museum of pictures we can have a moving like actual story and it just expanded from there and then of course today you have big budget you have independent films, movies that have like seven different companies that are, had a hand in their production. And then you have Marvel, which just pumps out all these big budget things. But yeah, back in the day, it was just a little moving picture show, I th it started out as. Well, then it like, it just evolved from that to like movie houses to where like, I'm sure in other, you know, we're, we're based here in St. Louis, Missouri, but I, just I've seen this in other areas. So we have, you know, the fabulous Fox yeah. Theater where mm -hmm. there and you and there's probably other 
places like that around. That's where actual movies were shown. It was right. actual theater, but it was only only Fox theater, only Fox movies were shown there. Yeah, Fox yeah. Pr- produced movies, so I thought that was really cool. Is that they had actual like the production companies had actual movie houses that only their movies were shown, and I just thought that was so interesting and and part of this evolution of you just start going, you move from from one direction yeah. to another, and it really. It really for a while was just this you know the silent movies for a while then all of a sudden we move into where they're able to multiplexes pe- yeah, yeah multiplexes are able to they're able to cut stuff together as far as like sound and all this editing yeah. and then you know the wonderful black and white movies i mean there's yeah. there's some movies that like i i can never watch it's a wonderful life in color yeah like that's a movie no. that has to be i mean do you think that there's just like Sometimes there's this line we have to draw, like, no, I'm not going to watch this movie oh, in yeah. color. Like, what are some movies? But Hollywood like- keeps paving over me. I didn't even like them up, um, remaking Point Break. I was like, why? You know, oh, just leave it alone. Man. And oh. now, well, there's another good example. So last year, there was this great film in Denmark that came out with uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who most people will know as the bad guy in movies. He had the bloody eye in Casino Royale. He's always plays the bad guy. But when he, he acts in his native Denmark in those movies... He's kind of he gets to do character-driven roles, and so a movie called Another Round came out, was nominated for Best International Feature last year, and within about an hour of it winning that award, that Oscar, a couple months ago, America they want to remake it. They want Leonardo DiCaprio to play, and look, if Leo's going to do it, it can't be too bad. But within an hour of this thing winning Best Picture, this this Danish film. Now people are like, oh, we got to remake that. So that just tells you where it's gone from. Back in the day, it was, okay, let's have this original idea. And now today, it's like original idea, and then Hollywood will just go, we'll just copy that. So since you since you started talking about remakes, has there, I'll put you on the spot here, has there been any remakes that you thought were better than the original ones? Man, so I'm trying, you know, th- th- there was a movie, another French film called The Untouchables that they remade with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart called The Upside. That wasn't a d- bad movie. So recently, that, that, that'd probably be the one I would say because I thought, oh, they're going to ruin this great French film. And it came out in 2012, and I think the Kevin Hart film came out uh, a couple years ago. But it was all right. I mean, they yeah, was a good movie. they changed a few things up. They moved a couple plot points around. And, and then, if anybody wants to remake any movies, you should do that. I don't think you have to make it, you know, scene for scene. You know, change a couple things around. Do your take. It always, I always think it should be. Uh, one of my screenwriting buddies said you should reimagine it instead of remaking it. I liked it. That's actually yeah. a good a good concept. I like the idea of reimagining things because sometimes i feel like when they remake things it's it's why, a carbon well, copy you know? yeah why reinvent the wheel I, you it's, know it was it was you know with whether you talk about the star wars franchise yeah. i remember when i when ever the the re the new ones came out I remember my son he was well here i'll say this for remakes you, you asked about what's my favorite get i love the get carter remake and people love the michael kane version but i just love stallone wearing a five thousand dollar frank sinatra suit you know, five foot six, walking around dispensing justice, and 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 Mickey Wark, who he who Stallone, Stallone basically appointed himself because he needed somebody who could fight him. So remakes that probably shouldn't have worked that I like is Get Carter. I fight. like Get Carter. I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. Sometimes I went when I watched remakes like Get, for instance, Get Carter. Yeah, there's times I didn't, 
ever see the original, so I had to go back and watch. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is like, this is, this is a bad. This is this is all right. And then you feel kind of a little bit bad. But I kind of like the Stallone one a little bit more. Than right. Other more older critics will go, oh, you're crazy. So like we have we have the evolution the evolution of movie theaters themselves, and then we've been talking about the evolution of actual movies where they're where they do the remakes or they they try to. You know, remaster, redi- you know, try to make them better than what they were. Yeah. Um, I think, too, it's like just I think about the technology that movies have come forth, oh, yeah. even with like something as little as I don't think a lot of people realize this with Star Wars, with yeah. the sound, with the Dolby sound. Yeah. Like, a lot of people had no idea that George Lucas was like, if you don't do install this Dolby sound into your. Yeah. We're not you can't play this. You movie. can't play this movie or it's just it's going to sound like a, a bad infomercial. You know, you, you got to have the like, like the CGI capabilities. The there's just all the technology they've used on movies. For we were talking about, I mentioned Marvel. You know, what I found out last year is that they draw up this. They have their whole films mapped out in animation. So all the action, like for instance, Captain America catching Thor's hammer, that was all mapped out digitally. And then the actors and the filmmakers have kind of a blueprint, kind of a game plan. So. That is like it pales in comparison to what they probably did on maybe Heat, where they're like, "Hey, we're just gonna get go into L.A. and make a movie about cops and robbers." But it just tells you how they. It's just so different. Speaking of theaters, you know, Esquire. Look how much that that has evolved while staying the same. You know, the big theater that I was talking about. Now it's it's got about a third of the seats, maybe, but it's still there. It's still the big theater. It's still the big screen, and they've updated all their theaters to stadium seating back in the day used to be like just that flat floor seats theater up there but yeah now we're reclining back and now we're getting food food. some of them actually have like food brought to you now and it's like what about um you know the evolution the evolution movie theaters you've talked about like food like even just like concessions, we've yeah. watched how much that's just evolved. Whether there's it's, beer at theaters now, there's beer. You can, you can, and of course, if you're at the movie theater, drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Make sure you're 21. Yeah. Um, but there is like I can remember like when I was younger, we, you know, you went there, you got your popcorn, your milk duds, whatever, your snow caps, yeah. whatever, whatever your pleasure was. But now it's just like this plethora of all this good food, and yeah. now. You know, I think too they they have to movie theaters. Why some of that evolved is because they had to bring you this experience because experience. there's so many other options out there. You know, like the, I know it for a while when AMC they brought out their you know dining experience. Yeah. So that was something like okay, we're gonna bring date night to one place. Yeah. And that's actually a pretty cool concept. I, I think with movie theaters thought that you know of course is like 1995 and 2000 came around. They thought man we, we gotta do something soon to kind of make people spend more money in order to make this movie theater experience an experience because so they thought well how can we you know take up all of their night instead of having them go to the restaurant and then come to our place well how about we gave them like the restaurant the movie theater and like the now close one of the pandemic uh casualties was moolah the moolah theater and lounge they used to have a bowling alley in the basement a full bar upstairs a movie a small room that was showing the cardinal game and then the big theater. So you got to think 
They've just taken the only thing they, they didn't do ever was really bring out the food. I thought if Moolah ever got the food, you just you just go live there. Yeah, you can go there. <laughs> you can have an experience of the whole Drink, night. Bar, bowling. I mean, so I think over time, movie theaters just thought, how can we get you know them to spend more money in our house instead of going over to you know California Pizza Kitchen, which is like right down the road, Creef Core Twelve, which is act, I drove by one of my favorite theaters. AMC West Isle of 16, that was another casualty. Yeah. They closed up. Yeah, I mean, even AMC had to close the theater. It tells you how bad it was. But, it's really bad. But I think over time, they just really wanted to think, how can we get more of your money? I mean, okay, we're going to put the arcade, and now Ronnie's, they have like the whole little car booth area. So they're just trying to make money. Yeah, I can remember whenever they redid Ronnie's because that was, you know, that was our my wife and i we'd always go there and then you got the big game yeah how can you not watch that big television as you're walking in you got the arcade to your left you have the big monstrous tv to your right that you know you, you look at your, your cardinals are losing eight nothing now you're going to the movie mad you're all grumpy <laughs> and there was there was times when my wife and i were dating one of the rules was we just had to walk right past yeah it. walk right some, past sometimes i'd get Put a grumpy paper up and they, and they wouldn't she wouldn't even let me she's like why, Clint, why are you doing this i think i think it was a couple of years ago i went to a screening of a very bad movie uh cloud atlas it was the by the people who made the matrix so you're thinking okay and it was bad, but it also was the elimination night for the Cardinals. And so I come out of the theater, which has a vantage point of that TV, and I'm just like, you're, you're leaning to look at that box, and you're like, oh, they're losing. <laughs> I think one, too, one, the, man, the evolution of movies is the price. I yeah, went, so it's we, pricey. So I can, I can remember this now. It's one thing that irritates my wife amongst many is I can remember lots of just silly details. And I can remember, of course, this is – 1998 but it was like $5.25 to go yeah. we went to a movie for the first time in a long time a few years ago and it was like 13 or 14 bucks yeah. and I about and like I don't mind spending money like going out with my wife sure. I mean it's always a treat but I'm also kind of a cheapskate at heart and I go what is going on here and she's like and I would I would say I told this guy I'm like 1998 was $5.25 my <laughs> wife she's like she elbows me she's like shut up this kid probably wasn't even born in 98 yeah. he doesn't care <laughs> how much wasn't. it was so like it's the of course with everything there's inflation but man, inflation. There was, I can remember my you know when my dad was a kid oh you know just you know the old time cost a nickel or a quarter or whatever it was I could spend the whole day there and all that stuff but but it's just fun it's just been fun I can you know I'm only you know, 39 and in the last, you know, 20, 20 or 25 years, I can remember just how much has shifted all this has taken as far as like technology, the experience. I can say one thing at least that with, with movies, with the other than other against other industries is that it really has at least gotten a better of an experience yeah. over the last 20 it years, has. over the last five or 10 years. Yeah, just I mean, the way they've been trying to do that. And just, I think they're just trying to keep with the curve. But yeah, but but speaking about cheap theaters, uh, on King's Highway, way back when I was Avalon. Avalon, and yeah, Avalon, I saw a, a, a disposable but still fun to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Nowhere to Run. Nowhere to Run, I watched man. that like 10 times That's in a, a month. That's a great movie. Because one day they would have... Uh, movies for a cool, for a nickel. I mean, I don't think the guy wanted to make any money. I mean, this is in the '80s, so yeah. it wasn't like that was that. That should have been more than that. That's funny. The next uh, the next part on my list, my little rundown list I have here, is actually called the Dollar Show, and Avalon, the Avalon was one of them. If it's you not grew there up, anymore. no, if it, it was right there at King's Highway and. 
Kings Highway in uh, Chippewa, yeah. but it's not there anymore. But there was another one that we'd go to. Um, it was called the uh, Kingsland. Do you remember yeah, Kingsland? Kingsland. Yeah. And I like the King. The Kingsland the was cool. The Shady Oak and Clayton. Yeah, the Shady Oak. It's just all these movies. And see, for me, like the High Point is left, and and the High Point back lot. Those movie theaters where it's one theater. It's like you got the concessions. I remember High Point, you have to go to the bathroom. You got to walk up those stairs, and Humphrey Bogart's at the top of the steps, a little standee. And it's just those are the kind of things that I think if you can't keep up with the big behemoth theaters like AMC, you can just make the theater experience extra special. I think High Point's doing that, but yeah. it's a dying breed. It is. It dying re- it breed. It really is because I can remember, you know, and for all the, the, the younger people that are hopefully listening like to the show, the dollar show was basically like what they called second run movies. They'd been out in the theater for a while. They'd go to these other mom and pop movie theaters. And you know, sometimes it'd be a dollar or 50 cents, whatever it was to actually go see the movie. And, but you know, they were, they weren't the first run movies, but it was just fun to go. Cause it was cheap and you can cheap. go, you can go watch it. I can remember, um, over in the South County area where Home Depot is that there was a movie theater there. And that's where I went. I saw Tommy boy there like five times on a yeah. Saturday, just went in and paid a buck every time I'd spent the whole Saturday there one day. So that was fun. Cause that was made it affordable. I think out, I, I don't know if, um, do you know, St. Andrews out in St. Charles open anymore? I, I, I want to think Are you that, familiar with, have you heard of it? Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard of it. And I, I, is that the one theater on the way on 70 where it's yeah. off the theater? Man, I, I haven't been out there in a while to where I, I couldn't tell you if that one was open you or know not. What? I don't do this normally, but I'm going to actually Google it. Just do it. I, just Google I'm, it. I'm curious. The listeners can't see us no. right now. We have multiple hands and assistants. St. Andrew's Cinema. Let's see. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it says permanently closed. Oh, I wonder if it was. Man, bit the dust. That was another one because when I went to college at Lindenwood, my first stint through college, I went to Lindenwood University. Yeah. We'd go there. We'd go there quite often just because it was cheap entertainment. Um, <laughs> so we have you have the dollar show, and then we'll, maybe we'll we'll slip back in time a little bit. What about the drive-in, man? Drive-in, man. Dri- I mean, do you have any good drive-in memories? You go to drive-in often? You know, I, I haven't gone to a drive-in that often, and, and that's because usually when they're when they're in like full season in the summertime, that's when all the bugs are out. Yeah. And I have a problem with mosquitoes because they love me so much. But that, that's one of those movie movie uh, guy kind of you know. Fixes I want to do. I, I do want to go to drive-ins, but Skyview is still yeah, open. Skyview is still open over in Belleville. And they pick up some newer movies, and they yeah. pick up some older ones. So I, I think I have a buddy that goes over there all the time. I just have to do it. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to throw caution to the wind, Glenn, and just say, forget you mosquitoes. Yeah, come on, man. You can <laughs> give that mosquito something to, right. to cry home about. <laughs> just coat myself the, in deep woods. And no, the, the cool it, thing about the drive-in was not so much now, but back in the day, they – they charged per car, yeah. so you could pile up a bunch of people yeah. in a car. You whole went family. In. Um, I've heard stories of like people they'd climb in a trunk to go yeah. to go in, and you go in, you'd sit there. Um, that you know that was a well, yeah. a treat for a while too. You had so many. You know that was a the driving was really super popular, probably in the you know 60s, 70s, maybe a little bit in the 80s. There's only a handful of them around anymore. We have yeah. we're fortunate to have one here locally that and the cool thing about that is that usually it's like a double feature so you can go in yeah, they you do. can see a couple movies and it's late night in your car, something and, different to and do and i always thought for people in st louis going to skyview you know you, you kind of have to it's an event you have to drive there it's just it, it, there's all the cars out there so yeah I, i'm glad they're still around and i do have to take advantage of the, the driving experience yeah because i can't imagine just how much longer too many drive-ins are gonna be around anymore i just think it's just even when you're seeing all these you know even like you just mentioned it 
big places like AMC is yeah. just, they're shutting they're shutting theaters down and consolidating and so you we're gonna see that with probably drive-ins too. I don't know how a lot of people can I always say if if a Starbucks can close down a movie theater oh, can close down. Man, you better believe it. you're you're <laughs> not kidding there, my friend. So what are some of your you know, we've been talking about the last forty minutes just about going to the movies, the fun experience, your you know, part of your one of your many side hustles is being a film critic. Give me a couple of your favorite movies and why. Like, what are some of your? I'm putting you on this spot here. Uh, like all time? Yeah, all time, man. Yeah, man. And I, I think Heat has to be the top of the list because I mean, I saw that movie at the Esquire in '95, and I, I've never heard gunshots like this bounce off a theater. Like in that bank heist sequence, Michael Mann he used like real ammunition to to, to shoot up those cop cars. Mm. And then he gave the actors like the squibs, and they got to shoot up or shoot at the cop cars wow. again. That's pretty and cool. It's just the fact that that movie—it just—it still plays fresh. You know, the scene, all—all all the scenes with Pacino and De Niro, the action, how it—it—it it, it kind of it brought a genre into a new realm. Because you know, at that point, you think, okay, the the good guy, the bad guy, they tussle for the whole movie. But this was a, a film where. The good guy and the bad guy—they kind of—they respected each other. And that was weird for a movie to have the cop kind of really just be enamored with the thief and the thief respecting the cop. So I thought that that movie stepped outside of that cop and robber genre a little bit. So I, th- I, I think whenever we talk about favorite movies, sometimes I don't think it's necessarily like an Oscar these movie. Great movies. No. I think you correlate your favorite movie to maybe like. Just maybe events or experiences. Right. Like Chef for me. I, I love John Favreau yeah, so you do. because you tweet about Chef a little bit. Every, I've seen that. Because every time you put that movie on, there's just the writing and directing's good, but it's also all the food. It's a showcase for food. And I like the way that he made that movie right after he made two Iron Man movies. So he was just drained from the studio experience. So he thought, I'm gonna go make this indie ish food movie. And even him talking about how when he was filming the grilled cheese sandwich, he's like, if this was a regular movie, they would have just cut away from it. They would have never showed me flipping the grilled cheese, <laughs> flipping them. Remember when he's cooking bacon and he flips that part of the hash browns? That's just unreal. They would have cut away from that. So just those little insider movie things, man. But they, those kind of films, they never get old. They just... They, they, really, they really don't. I think like, you know, like I said, and the good thing about it is it's all opinion based. So yeah. like two of my most favorite movies of all time is one, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. That's Good just every time. if you have not seen the show, so we there's this like me a buddy of mine, we always have this thing of what movies do you stop at if you if you're flipping through TV and yeah. if it's on, yeah. that's one of them. That's one like, of them. It's just you can I can be like the very end of that or in the middle and I'm always yeah. stopping, I'm watching, yeah. I'm finishing through. I've seen that movie a thousand times. It's just just what like it's just a great movie. Yeah. It's you can never go wrong with it. They better never try to. And you're a husband. That. You're a father. You have pets. You have kids. You know that when that movie comes on, you're looking at that clock going, "How much can I watch before right, the wife exactly. gets home and before the the evening begins? Before the dogs start wanting to get fed? You're starting to calculate. Can I watch thirty minutes of it? Can I watch all of it? And usually, I end up watching all. Of yeah, it. I'm the same way. I'm pretty fortunate <laughs> where my wife is really. She just kind of lets me do my thing, and that's but good. especially and most of the time she'll sit down and watch it with me. Yeah. So that's it's just the best. I just love whenever the, the movie's got so many great lines, and when Andy Dufresne. Sorry if I'm spoiling this, but when he comes out it's of been a while, when he comes out <laughs> of that, and he just 
you just see, I'm raising my hands here, and you just see him like, oh man, yeah. I'm free, and he's getting rained on, and it's like you yeah. can just correlate with that. And of course, I've already mentioned this. One of my whether people like it or not, I just I love Tommy Boy. I don't know if it's yeah. just because. I loved Chris it's, Farley. He was a great. I yeah. thought he was hilarious. It's comedy, man. I mean, I it's just slapstick. I think it's just the, goofy. The biggest, the biggest oversight that award shows and even I think crowds as, as a while is they don't take comedy seriously. I mean, that's hard. You know, in order to make people laugh, yeah, I think it'd be easier to make people get sad. You know, then it's okay. Can I make that person in the crowd who just had a bad day, who's having a really rough year, can I make them laugh out loud? I think Tommy Boy can make a lot of people laugh out loud, and I think people just kind of take that for granted. They they oh, take for sure. they take comedy the comedy genre for granted. They go, okay, we'll go watch you after our sixteen period pieces and depressing French documentaries. <laughs> but you know, those are hard to do too. So I I'd say to, to to you and everybody, don't ever feel bad about what movie's your favorite. No way. Man. Man, I, art, I never do. Art is probably the most subjective thing in the world, man. Well, and that's the beauty of, about it. So, do you think? So, we go through. We have these great experiences, and now it's it's kind of lessened a little bit because we have this. It's a good and a bad thing. We have the the on demand feature. Sure. Yeah. So, like, is that something that I remember years ago when? Actually, I can remember someone actually like joked around and talked about, man, there's you know technology's going like yeah. Redbox started getting popular yeah. and they're like Netflix was the mail in Netflix. Netflix, Netflix yeah. yeah, it was like thirty bucks a month. They mailed you DVDs. Yeah. Like who thought it? What Blockbuster why? coming to your door basically? Block exactly. And then you know we see Blockbuster go down. But so do you think like with on demand like is that something that is? Just it's just so convenient. It's it is so convenient. It's inexpensive for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I always track it back to Edward Burns. When, when he Edward Burns makes very cheap family movies. So he he's the kind of guy, and he said this, you know, in his book and in interviews, he'll just go into a place and start filming because he had those those little cameras that you can just almost like recorders. Like if you're a family on a vacation, he used those little like red eye cameras, and and he he made a movie called Johnny Boy maybe back 15, 20 years ago. And instead of sending it into theaters, which would have gotten like a five theater, three week run, it wouldn't have made any money. He said, I'm gonna release this onto iTunes. And so Edward Burns released, I think one of the first movies just on demand. Instead of just wow. having to go to a theater in St. Louis, you can go anywhere, watch it anywhere in the world. And so he started doing that with his movies. And then when Netflix became a streaming service, instead of just the mail-in, I think that changed the game, especially when, when they first, when they won that first award, when they were nominated for, I think, Mudbound, they're like, wait a minute, we can get people's attention and win awards? Then it just became a frenzy. Do you think that, because um, there was a big controversy with yeah. that, should movies that Netflix makes since only on Netflix, should they be allowed to win? any type of award. Oh yeah, man. Do you think they should? Yeah, you I mean, you're, you're, I, a, you're pro, you're a critic. I mean, I, I really think that and one of the great, I mean, I love movie theaters, but I also admired what what Warner Brothers did when they made all their 2021 movies be released. So, for example, a, a very good Angelina Jolie movie came out on Friday called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Now, normally that would be in theaters in you know, 2019 and before. Now, you can if you have HBO Max, you can watch it the minute that it comes out in theaters. So, do you think 
Because that was actually next on the list too. Yeah. So it's like our minds are in sync here. We're locked up, man. <laughs> we are we're, locked we're, in, my we're linked in. What? So you know, where it's 2021. There was this thing, you know, called the pandemic, the coronavirus, That's COVID. Stupid thing. It really just disrupted our it world, did. and it's unfortunate. And you know. That's a whole nother podcast for a later day, but it did actually disrupt many industries. And the movie theater, the movie industry was a huge industry to actually yeah. disrupt it. So do you think, now that was wise for them to do that, but do you think movie theaters will ever make a comeback? You know, I think they will, because I think there's always going to be a need to watch like a Marvel movie on a big screen or watch an intimate drama at the high point. I think people are going to strive for that. But I think even before the pandemic came on, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, they were all kind of coming for the theaters. And I think it's like online reading versus newspapers. Right. It's not that drastic yet. I, I don't think I think the theaters can make a profit as you saw with, with the new Kong Godzilla movie that did really well. It did. And I think event movies are gonna do well, but I think there's gonna be a slow kind of coexistence. Kind of like, you know, if you're a post dispatch reader, are you gonna read it on STL Today app or are you gonna go get the paper? And I my think that's still gets the paper dropped yeah, his door. And my neighbor guy I love the guy he just comes out in his backyard porch and opens up that post dispatch and I'm like yeah as I as I read a story on my phone (laughs) so do you think that just with the way time was going in movie theaters you know do you think do you think studios were on the verge of starting to release things yeah um, I mean straight to on demand and the movie theaters and the pandemic just maybe expedited that a little bit yeah I mean I I think that people like Edward Burns that don't have a lot of money but they want to make a movie like well let's say like John Favreau wanted to make a chef like right now and he would probably go well the studio will will give you the money but they're going to want final cut Uh, but Netflix and I've interviewed some directors and, and actors who have worked with Netflix di- just directly. They said that they don't really interfere with your movie making. They give you money. You tell them in a meeting what you want to do, like probably in a room like this where they all gather and you, you lay out your story, who your actors, who you're going to get. And then Netflix, unlike Warner Brothers, they're just going to let you go make the movie. Right. And then they may have some notes, but they're not going to be there on the set watching dailies. And telling the director, yeah, you might want to cut that beheading scene. But I mean, they're just going to let you make your movie. Yeah, because with you know a business it's model, freedom. Not, it's freedom. Right. Freedom. And with a business smart, with a business model like Netflix, and that would probably make it popular to people making movies. Is all they care about is the final product. Exactly. If, I mean, if they approve their yeah. script and the storyline, they all they're probably really essentially is wanting, you know, this not. It's just all that's costing yeah. them is to. You know, you got subscribers already, and, and also they're they're they were the beneficiary of the pandemic because some movies couldn't go into theaters. So right. there was a Tom Hanks movie that I thought was great, Greyhound, yeah, where he just the whole movie is like one long action sequence, and it was supposed to be released by Universal, but they couldn't, so they gave it to Apple TV Plus, and Netflix scooped up a couple. There's a not so great Amy Adams movie called Woman in the Window, but that was supposed to go into theaters. It had a big cast, and then Netflix said, "Ah, we'll take it." So do you think that's why um, you see these big time people like you know Adam Sandler and sure. you know do you think that's why yeah. they're making these multi yeah. like with David Spade you know those guys making some I mean, it, some pretty it, I mean pretty decent movies I've liked some of those Netflix yeah because original it, movies they've it, made. it all comes back to a filmmaker how much control are you gonna get like not Final Cut like Quentin Tarantino has had Final Cut since he made Reservoir Dogs. <sighs> That's but, a whole other podcast but, there. But there's just there's some filmmakers, yeah, they'll they'll do the studio route. But I think one guy said if you do the studio route, it 
it's kind of like when you're a politician running for office. Eventually, that might stop being your movie. Like if it was your movie in the beginning, like for example, David Ayer uh, made Suicide Squad, and according apparently there's a version out there that he had that the studio just didn't put out. They put out kind of a neutered version of it. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah, it's kind of like Justice League where Zack Snyder had a tragedy in his family and he had to leave, and then Josh Whedon came in and just blew the movie blew the movie up. But with you know, you have a lot of instances where directors make a movie and then the studio's like, well, we sank a couple hundred million dollars into this movie, so we're going to release this cut. And so it comes down to not just what the power of Netflix and Amazon pushing things around, but it's what filmmakers, how much of your movie, of your vision, do you want to sacrifice to see it hit the big screen? Right. And so I really do think that movie theaters, it might not be quite the same, or there might not be as many of them. I think we're going to start just see natural attrition, which is them starting to close sure, up just because yeah. they have to. But I still think there's still going to be this just natural of, Let's get out of the house. Need. Let's go to the movie. Let's yeah. get the experience. You know, there's just something about that cold soda, whatever beverage you want in your hand, that warm popcorn you know, sitting there. The music lit. that starts to play. Not anymore, but it used to say, Werenberg. And that, that was actually a, a thing, and I real, <laughs> I still do it, even though Werenberg's not around. No. Is When we were dating, I'd always whisper that in somebody. I'd be like, Werenberg. Yeah. Werenberg. It's my wife. And I still do that It'd every be cool. time. Right, right, right before you just go, <laughs> just a just mess. <laughs> and so that was so we're gonna still see um one yeah. thing I would love to see is just maybe and I know it's just like just living in the dream world here, but just seeing if there could just be a few more mom and pop movie theaters. Sure. That would just be yeah. if we could see a couple of those come back, that would just be phenomenal. Like it was scary. It was scary when when I think right right like at the beginning of this year, maybe in like February, I think the Tivoli was sold, but it was sold to a guy who's going to keep it and open the, the you know keep the theaters open for movies. He's going to have a church service, but he's going to keep the movies going. Yeah, and I'd I, seen I, it. That's pretty cool. And, and I thought, just don't take away the movies, man. You know, I mean, that's one of those movie theaters where you can just go into and you know it's not AMC or Marcus. No. It's a it's an old house that became a movie theater. You just step back in the time and like, you watch yeah. it. High Point, stay around. And, and Tivoli stay around because it's a good mix. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll think of it this way: we're, we're recording this here because we both don't want any distractions, and that's exactly why people will hopefully keep going to the movie. Exactly. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Follow my my boy Dan Buffa on Twitter. Is that your main? What, yeah, is that the main one? I mean, Mine too. I mean, I always think we have Facebook. That's more like a high school cafeteria. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> you know, I knew I liked you. I'm, I like I. Yeah. I threw Facebook away about 10 or 12 years ago and I, I went straight to Twitter Yeah, and it was just one of those things where I, um, this, I just, am like, I think one, I rank one social media reigns supreme and I think it's Twitter. So you can follow yeah. Dan at, uh, it's just at Dan Buffa 82, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, I'm on Facebook and you know, you get to have more fun on Facebook, but yeah, at Buff 82 and there's an Instagram page only because I can post that on to Facebook too. So right. I have all three, but if you want the goods, Twitter is the way you And go. then your Dose of Buffa? Dose You can find pretty much every kind of commentary there. I think that as if you want really a, like a versatile, a, a potpourri, which is like my only fancy word I ever use, of my material, that's probably the best place to go. If not, you have to go down a KSTK yeah. rabbit hole. And that's why I, I use the word potpourri for this 
podcast. There you there's go. There's different episodes all the time. It's like yeah. that category in Jeopardy where you don't know what yeah. you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. Fun, man. It's basically the Emilio Estevez, his lunch and breakfast club. Yes, He kept sir. pulling things out it. of that bag. I love it. All right, Dan, well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for coming to the movies with great, us. Man. And have a great day, and we'll be interacting with you on Twitter and all stuff right, again. All right, man. Good stuff, man. Hopefully, the future guest uh, enjoy this. Hopefully, we, I, I like this room. This is a good room. 